Welcome to the Aiden Mari podcast and thank you for listening. This is a podcast where we like to explore faith, the Bible, and trying to better follow Jesus. This podcast is a collection of sermons, interviews, and also me just rambling about different things about Christianity or what's on my mind or conversations we're having. We're trying to upload weekly, so hopefully that happens. So I hope you enjoy and let's get on with this week's episode. Well, welcome to the Adamari podcast, where we talk about faith, the Bible, and everything in between. Uh, this week, I am back with my parents. Uh, just came back home for the weekend. Youth has settled down and all of that. And so I'm here and I thought, what a better, easier, more convenient way to upload a new episode than to ask the people I'm around. Uh, so this week, I am going to be doing our second interview of the podcast with my dad, Dean Mari, and I also, right before we swing into that, want to thank everyone for downloading listening, even though I've been on a three-week hiatus, just kind of taking a break from podcasting so I could have just a little bit of rest in uh, this transition period. Um, we, we hit 500 downloads, which is awesome. It continues to grow even though I'm not doing anything, and so it's just cool to see, um, yeah, that people are liking what's being said, what's being talked about. It's incredibly humbling as I just decided to turn on a mic and, and talk about stuff as a 21-year-old kid, so it's kind of cool to see God use that. But yeah, this week I have at the table in my old house with my dad, uh, Dean Mari. Welcome to the podcast, Dad. Hello. <laughs> uh, so you might hear animals or my mom walking around, and you'll have to forgive us because that's all part of the environment of being on an acreage. Um yeah, so what's what's new, Dad? Um, well, you came down to visit for the weekend, so that's new because you haven't been here for a long time. Mm-hmm. So we've been saving up our money so that we can afford <laughs> to feed you for the weekends that you're back. So that's good. Not a lot of well, not a lot of people listening to this podcast will know who you are, other than no. you're my dad. Um, but you actually have an interesting journey as far as where you came from and where you are now of how you actually came to Christ. So I was wondering if maybe you could give kind of a little uh, glimpse into your story and where you were, how you got to where you are, and kind of all of that big, broad question. I'll try not to take up the rest of the podcast (laughs) with it because I probably could pretty easily. But um, suffice to say that I grew up as a regular Canadian kid that didn't really have Jesus in his life. So doing all the things that I suppose regular kids do, um, that involves, you know, drinking, promiscuity, all that kind of stuff, which we're going to keep this G-rated because um, (laughs) my son is interviewing me. But uh, um, my grandmother had very strong faith and she was my caregiver when I was growing up uh, before I went to school. So... Uh, she always taught me about the love of Christ and, and uh, um, pretty much, I think on a daily basis, she would talk to me about, about that. And she lived her faith at the time. I always remember telling dad that, my dad, that uh, grandma was a saint. And he said, well, you didn't know her when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the same way with all parents. That, your, your grandchildren, Aiden, are probably going to say the same thing. Oh, well, you didn't see them when I was growing up. <laughs> but uh, uh, she lit that spark in me. And, and I always had uh, 
I guess I always had that that spark inside of that that faith in Christ that she, you know, it just just ignited in me and it just stayed hidden for a lot of years. And so once once I get to especially junior high and such and, and I I was an only child, so let's throw that in because that adds a whole bunch of isms to the whole thing. But uh <clears throat> the the need to be um, liked and accepted by by people everybody has that but I think some of us have it to a to the tenth degree and I've I struggled with that huge so I I did whatever I could do to fit in to to be cool to uh, anything that that I could do to to so people wouldn't, you know, think that I was anything less than. So it was a very hard struggle to always try and live up to that. And and uh, I think uh, um, I, looking back now, I, I see the, the footprint of addiction back in my life, probably back in into junior high days, maybe even before that a few times, it, it reared its ugly head. And uh, I won't get into much about that, but let's just say there was a struggle that went on for a lot of years. And, um, and then I found, uh, I remember Linda, my wife, and Aiden's mom was reading the, uh, um, uh, those, the, the books on the end of times, the Revelation books, and I can't remember what Left Behind. Called, Left Behind series. And I started reading those books for the first time in my life. My life I was probably reading Christian material, and, and my wife's always had great faith, and uh, and so it was something I admired in her. And we always took our kids to church, but that was me being a Sunday morning Christian, and that was about it. Um, and so I started reading the Left Behind series, and and uh, it caused me to start asking all kinds of questions, and and. Um, I just remember seeing in a, in a newspaper one time, there was an article on Lee Strobel, or there was an article on apologetics, and they listed some books that, that I found really interesting, and the one I gravitated towards was Lee Strobel's The Case for Faith book, and I just happened, it was several years after that even, I was, I was walking through, I think it was even Walmart or something, I was walking through, and there was that book, and I don't know why I recognized it, because that was a couple years later, and I, I saw it, and I just said, that was the book that I thought was really interesting. So I grabbed it and started reading it. And, and it was it was apologetics that basically led me to faith. And I remember I had you boys out at the lake and, and Linda was painting the house. And we were staying in my my mom and their grandma's uh, motorhome. And, and grandma had a cabin out at the lake and we were staying in her motorhome in the backyard. And I was reading this book by, by flashlight because I didn't want the kids to wake up. <clears throat> Because I think Dane was still in diapers at the time, or, or Aiden's youngest brother at the time. Well, he still is, <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I was reading this by flashlight. And uh, and at the end of the book, I remember just saying a little prayer or something like, God, if you're real, you just got to prove it to me. You got to show me. Because um, I, I have doubts. And... Uh, I remember waking up the next morning and honestly the the colors were different. The the grass was a different green 
trees were a different green, the sky was a different blue. Um, I felt that I had a discernment that I never used to have, that I could kind of discern between what was good and evil, even things that were obscurely evil. And it, it was just a, a strange change that, that took place. And I, I've heard this from many people. And, and, and to me, it was like I was always looking through life through a dirty shower curtain. And the next morning, that shower curtain was opened up and I could see the true colors and, and uh, just life looked different. And it was, a, it was amazing and beautiful. And I wish I could say that, that was, it changed my life and it, and it did. But I wish I could say I was miraculously healed from addiction um, because I wasn't. And, and I, I was for a while. There's times in my life that, that it, things have gone well. But it's, it's, it's been a, a battle that, that finally led me to a 12-step group and led me to actually work the steps with a sponsor and then become a sponsor myself. And that has really helped grow my faith and grow my relationship with Christ um, doing the 12-step the work. So with that, I better stop and, and turn it back over to you because I could take up the whole podcast I think. yeah and apologetics for anyone who's wondering what that is is pretty much just arguments for the existence of God or why Jesus is God that kind of thing and so yeah with that obviously skimming over a ton um, I know that in your life in the past like uh, so a lot of people would have probably looked at your life and gone, well, this guy's got everything, everything he wants, like popular, the, the dude, yeah, like you drank a lot, uh, had a lot of sex, had a lot of popularity. People thought you were cool. Um, it kind of seemed from the outside looking in like this guy's got everything together. So why then if everything was perfect, everything was great from the outside why why did you need jesus all of a sudden what was what was with that why why jesus don't you have everything you want isn't this what we're well yes to be doing and it's been a like i said it's been a journey since then because i did accept jesus and i and i felt i i had uh, a change and there was a change it really was like i there was something happened and and he did show me that that he was real and yet, I was still very full of myself. Uh, selfishness and self-centeredness ruled my kingdom. And yes, on the outside, I looked marvelous and I had a wonderful job, and I still do. And uh, uh, my family life looked perfect, but I liken myself to a, a duck on the water where he's everything looks nice and calm on the top of the water and underneath he's paddling like hell <laughs> and that's about that's about the analogy <laughs> I could I could say because inside my brain um, I was paddling like crazy um, trying to uh, maintain that calm water on the surface and uh, um, trying to arrange life uh, you know, trying to be the director of, of my life and that includes directing other people and having them act the way I wanted to act and that never went well. <laughs> and, um, uh, and I think the journey just... And then I, another issue I had was once I became a Christian, I had all this guilt that I, that I continued to have and I'd, I'd sway back and forth. I know the forgiveness of, of Jesus and stuff that would dominate me, but then... I couldn't, couldn't stay sober, and I, 
in in that regard and and i i just couldn't figure out what it was and and thankfully um i think the 12 steps actually helped me become a better christian so and i'll always gravitate back to those because uh they really did teach me how to become uh, more christ-like yeah so you talk a lot about 12 steps in your journey and so some people might know that as like AA, Alcoholics Anonymous and stuff, but a lot of people know generally about it, but don't know anything about it. So it seems like the 12 steps has played a significant role in you actually coming to know Jesus and follow him. So can you just dive a little bit more into the 12 steps? Like what are they? What, why the 12 steps? What makes them, what made that the, the kind of space that allowed you to, um, accept Jesus and better follow him and kind of mold you into looking more like Christ instead of who you were before. Um, and there's, there's lots of, lots of different programs out there, lots of good Christ-centered programs that are out there that, that are also based on the 12 steps. Um, but for me, it was, I kind of fell into, into working the, uh, the 12 steps of my group, um, which was outside of Christianity but there's a lot of faith involved and it's, it's tough to explain in a short podcast, but, um, because there was a group that dealt with my issues, I just gravitated towards that group. And then I started, uh, going down that road with, with, within that group. Um, and I can't remember what else you said, but the, I don't want to, if you, if anybody's interested in knowing what the 12 steps are, I encourage them just to Google that. You're going to, you're going to find out, uh, what all the steps are, what, what, what they are. And then, uh, you're encouraged then to work with a sponsor who's done these steps before. They'll help you work these steps. And I think it's just basically taking an inward look at ourselves and, and to take a look at the the junk in our lives and to really be open and honest and, and with your, with your sponsor and then with, and then you're encouraged to become a sponsee to others after you've worked the steps, because I think that's a key element to this whole thing is once you've, once you've been through this and then you start using, um, all the things that you've learned to help other people. And that's so key in maintaining that sobriety. But, uh, um, Within these steps, within working the steps, I'm I'm just looking at my own junk and dealing with it, and being open and honest with my 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 fellows and my my sponsor who who's kind of like a, a disciple for me, and uh, um, I'm looking at what I call clouds that block me from God. So all these clouds of mine are, are things like my pride, my anger, my fears. These are things I have to look at and I still have to look at on a daily basis to see when they're coming up in my life so that I can deal with them, talk about them, um, appropriately handle them because I think in the old days I would just stuff them and, and kind of say, well, that's minor. I don't, I'm not going to talk to anybody about that or anything like that. And secrets kill. Secrets absolutely kill. Um, and I think, I think, uh, the 12 steps are a great model of, of learning that, that you can be open and honest with people and be vulnerable with people and it, and they're not going to, uh, make fun of you. They, they understand 100% what you're talking about because they've been there, done that. And, uh, it's such a freeing thing to be open and honest with somebody. 
um, that you can tell them everything, and I do mean everything, and it's important to, to do that, to, to move forward. Yeah, and you talked about before kind of like uh, feeling guilty and having that guilt cycle of you feel bad for what you did, and then so you kind of fall back into what you did because you feel bad, and, and that's kind of like an easy fix to either get drunk or whatever yeah. is an easy kind of numbing to yeah. how bad you feel, and then you feel more bad. And you talked about how the 12 steps Addi- help well, that. Well, addiction works. <laughs> no, it does. Like alcoholism works. It, it will. It will make you feel better for a very short time before it. And someday, as you start using it to make you feel better, it'll boomerang on you. <laughs> it'll, it'll come back and start slicing you to pieces. But for a time, addiction does work, and uh, and uh, uh, it's our own self enlightened interests that uh, help help us determine. You know what? This is not working anymore. <laughs> and and sometimes that might take a long time before you determine that, and sometimes it's a very short time before you go, "Yep, this is." killing me and I gotta stop mm-hmm. so what so with that addiction works so that's something that a lot of Christians would be afraid to say but it is kind of true deep down <laughs> they know deep down that addiction works because they know that they continue to sin so it's uh, uh, with that what so why what kind of point did you hit where, where that was a shift when did it stop becoming fun when did addictions when did what you were doing just kind of hit a point where you were like yeah I I, well, I think the healthy guilt that's involved in, in Christianity is, is a part of that, where you want to live for Christ and you want to do what Christ says and you want to do what Christ teaches and you want, you want to follow what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. And, um, and so just that alone helps helped motivate me, and I can only speak about myself, but that alone helps motivate me. And, and I got to a point, too, where... Um, I was going down this road, what we call the three-step shuffle, where, and that's uh, that's just 12-step lingo for somebody who does steps one, two, and three and keeps doing steps one, two, and three and never works past that. And that doesn't work for people who have real addictions. And uh, I was doing the three-step shuffle for quite a while, and, and I thought to myself, well, I've read the steps, and I've kind of done them in my head, and that's close enough, isn't it? Uh, no, it wasn't for me. And... Uh, and so at, at, at several points, there were several key things that happened. You know, one was that, that it was getting hard to, to maintain my Christianity when I'm still stumbling and not understanding why. And, and, uh, and then I was also challenged by, uh, by some people in the program, by my sponsors, one that says either, either work the steps or find another sponsor because, um, if you're not gonna listen to my direction, then then you should go do something else. Huh. That's and and sometimes we need that tough love to to help us say, you know what, that that's the wake up call. I need to say, yeah, yeah, I need to do this a little more seriously. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool that someone would be bold enough to just tell you do them or move on. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. often, and, often and that's what that. we Cause need. Because I think I think there's so many uh, in the that. Uh, that want to do, try and do this the easier, softer way, whether you're in a, in the 12 steps or outside the 12 steps, we all want to navigate life the softer, easy. It's hard to talk about your issues in a small group or setting or, or in, in, in any setting like that, even in, in a men's group at church, if you're, you know, if, if, 
if uh, you don't feel totally com- comfortable talking to some of the people in in your your men's group or your small group or whatever, you just you're not going to say the icky or the, the things that you're going to be concerned with. You need to find people that you can talk to, and mm-hmm. that's that's huge to to find those people in your life. Whether you're inside a twelve step program or it's easier actually inside the 12-step program because the people that I'm talking to have all been through this before and they all nod their head because, yep, yep, we understand 100%. <laughs> but uh, it's a little tougher to find that Christian friend who who wants to go through that kind of honesty with you. And that's that's sad in a way, I think. Um, I think in some regards the, the 12-step groups could teach us uh, Christians a thing or two about openness and honesty and and what uh, the Holy Spirit and Christ wants in our lives. Mm. And so, yeah, that's something I've noticed a lot growing up in church and around Christians um, and being one myself is often Christians talk about how they feel stuck in sin or struggling is their favorite word. They are always struggling. Um, (laughs) uh, And so I, what do you think... Why do you think that is? Why do you think there are so many, from my experience, Christians who feel stuck or are struggling um, just in their own sin and past kind of demons and stuff? Why do you think that is, that so many people just feel like they're in a cycle? That is such a loaded question. I can be, there's a hundred <laughs> things that are running through my mind. Um, that, can be, that can be anywhere from, from not being totally open and honest with people. And when I get a sponsee, for example, and I'm, I'm starting to work with a new guy in the program, I'll tell him that, that he can fire me at any time and find another sponsor because I need him to be so open and honest with me that I always tell them, you need to tell me that one thing that you're never going to, that you were going to take to your grave with you. And you need to have a relationship with me and be totally comfortable with me that you can tell me that one thing that you're never going to tell another person in your life. Um, that's one thing that's really key is to find somebody that you can talk to about that and, and to be totally open and honest with. And another, another thing that's, that's key is, is the prayer and, uh, meditation life that, that is involved in this and trying to plug into the Holy Spirit and to find his direction for you every day. It takes discipline. And even for me, it's, it's tough to find time each day for me I, I squeak out time here and there to to spend and just just try and connect with with God and um, trying to find direction for his life and be open to his direction and and be you know we 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 can totally try and do our best in life but trying to leave those results up to God and be okay with him um, dealing out the results and the and uh, not trying to manipulate that life ourselves. And then the other big thing is to, and, and, uh, I don't know how you do this in, there are, there are, I guess, small group curriculum that can help you through this, but there's, uh, to look at your own stuff, look at your own fears, anxieties, uh, anger issues, resentment issues, and deal with those issues. You know, in the 12 step program, you, you know, you know, all about communion, we talk about it every every month when we do communion about if you've got something against your brother uh, or or if your brother's got something against you to make it right before you can take communion. How many of us take that really seriously and really strive to, to make sure that we are at peace um, with people and uh, 
and sometimes that takes biting our pride and and maybe it's it's pride that drives this whole this whole issue but um it's stuffing our pride and going back to those people even if those people have harmed you in some way for the stuff that i've done to them uh i have to take ownership for that and i've had to go and, and talk to talk to those people that i've put to, on my list that I have to go and make amends to and, and, and say, you know what, I'm really sorry for whatever, you know, my action in this and, and, uh, please forgive me for that. And if there's any way I can make it up to you, I will. And I think that's, uh, uh really a key element to getting free, putting ourselves right with God mm-hmm. and, uh, and being able to, uh, live life without looking over your shoulder all the time and, and about who's, you know, who's going to see you. And, and it's so freeing that you, you can now live life. You can wear life like a loose garment, as they call it, where you're just joyous and free. And, and it, it doesn't mean my life's perfect. It's not, it's not always <laughs> joyous and free every day, but I'm striving for that at, at least. And I recognize it when it isn't. And I try and do something about it, I guess. And, uh, hopefully I, touched on some of the subjects or answers to that one yeah and i think that yeah there was a lot of things there but pride and also being open and honest with people i think especially in the canadian christian culture i think what i found especially for me that what kept me down was not talking to anyone about it and being too (laughs) worried about what people would think if you were honest with them or worried about damaging your reputation everybody thinks i'm a good christian if i say oh i struggle with something what will happen but i think what actually happens is as soon as you're open and honest with people brutally that people in the room go yeah me too and then then you guys can actually cultivate that's the thing the only thing that i think that holds us back from doing that is our pride because oh what if what if buddy over there thinks that i'm a weirdo or thinks that i'm a nut job for for uh because i have these struggles in my life Uh, that's just pride. Yeah, that, that's all that is. And most of the time, buddy down the road is struggling with the same thing anyway. <laughs> yeah. So many times when it comes out in the open, people go, "Yeah, me too." And, and there's a there's a bonding and healing moment that happens right right at that connection. Yeah, I think that's something Satan likes to do is keep sin private because then it's just you and him, and you don't let anyone else. You don't let the church come in and help you. You're no, yeah. you can't do it on your own. Yeah. How do you, well, I'm going to ask you a question. Oh, boy. How can we foster a better environment in our churches to to have that open and honest communication? And and is does it fall to the small group level? How do we foster that within our small groups? Because I know you're not going to do it at a congregational level. You have to do it in a smaller chunk, whether that's men's groups or whatever. But I've never seen it work overly well yet, and, and I'm, I'm not sure why. Yeah, that's a big question that I'm not sure. I have an I have an idea. I think, especially for me as a pastor, I think often, whether it's sermons or one-on-one conversation, me being available to be brutally honest all the time and not being myself so prideful, especially because it's my career worrying that if I talk to someone about just the truth of what's happening or what has happened. I think that helps people especially feel um, more comfortable as a church if they see people who they in their brains think are higher up being more open up, but then uh, cultivating that. I think it's hard because I don't know what the answer is. I think small groups are great if small groups are willing to be open and honest. 
And I think it just takes one person to just decide that this is the way it is and, and to just do it that, that when, when I've seen that happen where one person in a room is just like, I'm going to lay all my crap on the table. And if people don't like it, that's whatever, but I'm just going to be honest. Cause that's the only thing that works. I think that that helps create that culture in the church of, of, yeah, we're brutally honest with each other and, and open and, and nobody is, has any, nobody's so good that they don't have anything going on. We all know that nobody's Jesus Christ. So everybody's got something they're dealing with and, and to just have that, I don't know. It, you have to have people buy into that. I think where, where Christians themselves see their leaders, like elders, pastors, small group leaders, being those kinds of people who are open and, and not prideful. And then hopefully it leaks into the, the congregation. Cause they, it's like an old saying where they say, I don't remember how it goes. I'm going to butcher it where, where it's like, uh, set a man on fire and everyone from all around will come and watch him burn. And it's kind of that thing where you have to burn with that kind of honesty and passion for Jesus that people will just naturally come and cling to it. I think that's the only thing that works. But again, I don't know the answer. That's just me making something. (laughs) Well, and, and I, and I really believe that it's, it's on every one of us Christians who've gone through things in our life that we have a unique uh, perspective on life now where we can help other people when we've mm-hmm. been through junk and whether that junk is depression or whether it's uh, addiction or whether it's uh, something as, as terrible as, as sexual assault we can take those experiences and we I think it's up to us to really be vulnerable with people so that we can seek people out that we can help that have had those same issues because we have that unique vantage point of, of, of living the life and, and, you know, getting past these issues or, or at least dealing with these issues in our life so that now we can help other people go through that same thing. So that's the discipleship aspect of it where, where we can, we have that unique ability to help others through their junk and whatever that junk might be. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's why it's important that people know that, that I struggle with addiction so that if they struggle with addiction, they can come to me for help. Or, or if somebody else has struggled with sexual assault and, and have worked it out and been through it, that they can help other people that have struggled mm-hmm. with sexual assault as well and whatever it might be, right? Um, and I think that is a key point or it's a key thing for us to really strive to do because I think it helps with our sobriety and our uh, fixing our, our problems down the road so that those problems aren't always when it seems that when we're helping other people through with their stuff, our stuff gets easier, our load gets lighter. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's the yoking up with, with both God and with others to help them through that, that kind of stuff that we ease ease not only their load but we ease our load too yeah and i think that that's part of what god wants to do too is like he wants to take these horrible things that have either happened to us or that we've kind of done to ourselves and he wants to turn them into uh something that can be used for his kingdom so even the worst experiences god wants to take them and turning it turn it into something that can be used for good even though it looks like from the outside there's nothing good that could ever come of this that God can even help people with what we've yeah. already been through or he blesses our messes. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's pretty huge. And so if you never talk to anyone about what you've gone through or anything, 
you're kind of, it, it sucks. Cause so if you struggle from anything, call our 1-800 <laughs> number. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I think that's why testimony is so powerful. People telling their story about how they came to God. Mm-hmm. Like, we always love to hear it and go, oh, wow, I didn't know that about them. And it gives you a different perspective. But I think it's because mm-hmm. God um, made us in a way that, that we can relate to one another. And, and again, the church was never meant to be a one-man show. We were meant for each other. So for us to to say me too or, or tell someone our story, I think it opens up doors for God to work. And I think if we... Oh, yeah, there's yeah. so many stories I could tell you and, and we don't have the time. But so many stories that I think... From my experience, God uses, God works through people 95, 99 maybe percent of the time where he's, he's, uh, I might say something to to somebody else, which is just what they need to hear at that time, like a sponsee or something like that. And I've had this happen not only to me from, from people in the program, but also God working through me to help other people, which is very humbling to say, but uh, so many times that people said, oh, that's just what I need to hear. Thank you. That's perfect wisdom. And trust me, uh, the wisdom did not come from me. <laughs> I don't consider it. I've had, I've spouted some things that I just afterwards I went, whoa, where did that come from? Because <laughs> I had no idea that I am not that smart. <laughs> that came from, that wisdom came from beyond my smarts. So that's yeah. pretty cool when that, when you see that in action. Yeah, and so with that kind of shifting gears in a segue-ish way, you talked about apologetics too in in your kind of journey. Um, do apologetics even work? Are they worth our time? Why isn't that just kind of a waste? Do people is that is that useful? You you don't want to box everybody in because yes, apologetics absolutely work uh, for some people. <laughs> so how's that? Um, I think apologetics work more for guys than girls maybe, but I'm just, I'm, and I'm not generalizing cause there's a lot of girls that, that, uh, um, are interested in apologetics as well. But I think guys and our minds are kind of geared to the logistics behind it and can it be true? And how does this line up with science? And, uh, for me, that was absolutely key with, with breaking down those barriers that, that just said, you know what? there's a lot of evidence and no it doesn't answer everything and there's still questions and it's still a mystery and that's that's cool that's okay it's and it's it's cool to have those questions and to be be able to say you know what i still got questions but i've seen a lot of evidence and i can i can i can uh, honestly say that that um it for me right now it takes more faith to be an atheist or an agnostic than it is to be a christian and uh um, just an, an atheist is a person who doesn't believe there's a God and an agnostic believes there's something out there, but he's not really involved in much in the world. And, uh, so for me, that was key to answer those questions. And, and, uh, and then once I put, once I said, God, show me, not only the next day did, did something happen and I had a unique experience, um, that lasted for a few days until the worldly, you know, clamors start coming back and you start, everything starts going a little more gray than it, than it was those first few days. But, um, but then seeing the things I've seen over the years, it just builds my faith. Once you, once you start letting the, the spirit into your life 
and then you start seeing things that, that cannot be explained uh, as mere coincidence. Coincidences happen way too often for them to be considered coincidences yeah. anymore. And, and you see things that might even be considered, you know, miracles on a minor level, if you want to call it. But pretty much anything that happens that can't be explained, no matter how minor, is a miracle. So that's the use. You, maybe you're just more open to everything you see more of the stuff that's actually been going on throughout your life you just now you're just more in tune to it you you see it for what it is yeah and even yeah with that for me I had a different story where obviously I grew up in church um, which I'm surprised that you weren't a Christian but still wanted me to go to church or maybe you didn't want me to go and I just went no no I I, I like the values of Christianity <laughs> you like my, the idea I, I wanted my kids to have the well and this was more from from your mom than from me that she wanted us to grow up as a, you know to learn the values of Christianity and that was the, the whole uh, initial when we first got married I was a Catholic and and she didn't want to go to a Catholic church because she was more on the Baptist side. And, and I had said, those crazy Baptists, I'm not going to one of those churches. <laughs> so he somehow compromised, compromised and ended up in a Lutheran church. And then once I converted, all of a sudden um, our Lutheran church became too uh, tame for me. <laughs> and, and there you go. I ended up with the Baptist bunch. So uh, Christianity became a lot more real for me from that point on. But... Uh, uh, it was your it was your mom's basically wanting to instill those values in you and not only values but to, to learn who Christ is and unfortunately she couldn't do it in the environment that she wanted to and she wouldn't do it in the environment I wanted to so uh, we ended up uh, uh, going to and a good good Lutheran church it was it was exactly what we needed at the time yeah. and then. Uh, uh, and those are probably days that you don't remember really well. well I anyway. remember playing with toys during the service because I thought it was boring. <laughs> and I remember getting little cassette tapes with the Bible on it. That's pretty much that. That's all I remember. I remember dusty pews and stuff. That was about it. And a lot of elderly people. <laughs> now I am one. Yeah, you'd be one of the guys there. It'd be interesting. Can you imagine if mom compromised for a Catholic church? I might not well, have a girlfriend I, right now. I'm <laughs> I, a pastor. I can't have a girlfriend. I, I don't. I, I said I was Catholic, but you weren't really Catholic. You were Catholic no, with quotation marks beside it. I yeah. We uh, I went for. I maybe averaged once a year. I'd, I'd hit the church just Christmas because. Of, or well, what? kind of. A, a friend of mine was Catholic, and their their family was from Scotland, and they were they were a little more of a. Uh, church going family so I'd go with them every once in a while and I always enjoyed the experience I like I said I was a Sunday morning Christian where I, I enjoyed the experience of church I just didn't live it hmm. with all of that now we're on to Catholicism and Christianity uh, but yeah so I grew up Lutheran which I don't remember so I mostly grew up in the Baptist church in Lloyd and so for me with apologetics and all of this because I grew up being told this is the way it is, and then I hit kind of preteen years where you start to think for yourself, and and those apologetics became way more important for me because I was like, okay, I believe this, but is this actually real? 
and and so digging into that that's where you came in handy because you're the case for christ guy (laughs) or i could i could dig into all of those books and see is jesus does does this actually make sense is jesus actually who he says he is and is god even real and if god is real am i sure it's not allah how do i know that it's jesus um and so that was something apologetics played a huge part in me just for confirming what i was was told was true making sure it wasn't just all it wasn't just a sheep just agreeing with what, what I was told that yeah to and it was that. always important especially for your mom it was important that you guys um, you guys went and on your own journey find your faith because you can't live your parents faith um, it has to become personal at some point and and, and it's very hard to do especially for somebody like me that wants to control you guys. <laughs> It's very hard to do to let you guys go and explore your own, get in your own trouble and explore your own faith and to come up with a more realistic relationship with Christ uh, and to give you the latitude to do that. It's very tough to do as a parent, but uh, very important to do. And now that I'm sitting on the other side, uh, and I'm not really watching you guys go through your struggles and trials and questions anymore that... uh, I'm, I'm glad that that uh, I had as much courage as I did to let you guys go because there was times I just wanted to say, you're just going to believe this and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's totally the wrong parenting yeah. 101, not what to do. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I can't imagine thinking back because even for me, even watching like my older brother because he was a Christian and then for a while he walked away completely from Jesus and didn't believe that God was really real. And if he was, he wasn't the God of the Bible. And for me to watch it as a brother, I was like, well, why don't you just get it? And I wanted to smack him. And you guys were just like, well, it's just the way it is. And if if he wants to come back, he will. But he needs to experience this for himself. I can't imagine. That would be hard it as is. a Christian parent to just yeah. let it go. Yeah, yeah. Important, though. Very important. And, and very much... Um, your mom's influence on me because that that kind of stuff drives me crazy because I think I've got I've showed you guys all the evidence what are you guys crazy (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and it's so important for you guys to make it personal yeah no it's definitely important but it's not easy at all Mm. so congrats on making it through so far you guys did pretty okay with that which I would say from experience looking out a lot of parents struggle with letting their kids figure out their faith. Oh, it's it's not easy. <laughs> nope. And then they just go off the rails because they can't be free, <laughs> which also happens. Um, so with that, um, kind of a last, last question here. If you had any advice for, for Christians who are, or Christians or non-Christians who are either struggling with addiction, struggling with faith, um, or yeah, just feeling stuck in a, a cycle of sin, what would be, if you had to pick one, mm-hmm. what would be your advice to someone going through those things? So maybe it's a two-part question. For someone who's struggling with addiction and feeling stuck in sin, and then for someone who's struggling with faith, what what would you say? Okay, uh, addiction, you need to find that person that you can be open and honest with and... Uh, I really, I really do believe in the 12 steps. I know a lot of Christians don't, but I do. I think it's, it's a very extremely good way to work the steps. And there's, there's a couple reasons why I believe in the 12 
in working the 12 steps, especially as a, as a Christian, because there's a lot of non-Christians in there. And it's a way that, that I can help them with their issues, with, with their faith issues, with their God issues. And uh, if I was in Celebrate Recovery, which is a great program, and if you've got Celebrate Recovery available or some other Christian program, use it, do it, it's all good. Uh, but for me, um, I find that I like working with people that are not sure about God, not sure about their faith. And, and I find a lot of those people in the, in the rooms of the 12 steps. And I've, uh, hopefully I can help, help them to, to move down the road towards a relationship with Christ. Um, and so it's important for me to, to work that side of it. And, and I encourage you, if you do have issues, to seek out a group uh, and, and to, to find that sponsor that you can be open and honest with. And don't be afraid to fire your sponsor if it's not working, if he's not doing what he needs to do. Because honestly, as a sponsor, we need to be unselfish with our time. We need Your sponsor needs to help you whenever you want to work the steps or do whatever. We need to, we need to find time to work with you. And if your sponsor is not doing that, fire him. Find somebody else who's, who's going to make the time for you. Because there's nothing more important for my sobriety than to help another person through this. So it's important for me. And it's also deadly important for you. And uh, so I encourage you to do that. It, there's no, there's nothing scary. You walk in those rooms, you're gonna be scared. Um, don't be scared. That's just the devil trying to keep you out of there. There's nothing to be scared of, but you're gonna find love and acceptance and you're gonna find people that wanna help you through. And I truly believe that. And so open and honesty, work on the steps for the addiction, for, for the addicted person. Um, whatever your issue is, there's groups for everyone out there. And if you don't, if you can't find a group in your town, there's uh, telephone groups that you can, you can find it online. You can look up different organizations online. There's telephone numbers that you can call and you can, you can meet up via the telephone. And this thing works uh, over the telephone just as much as it does in person. My sponsor actually lives uh, two hours away from me mm. and I never see him. Um, and we've worked this thing over the telephone and it works. It mm. works over telephone, over texting, as long as you're open and honest. So enough about that. Um, we'll move on to the, the person who's struggling with faith. There are so many tools for you, books. Uh, I encourage you to read a lot. There's, there's books by Lee Strobel, Ravi Zacharias, so many people out there that have struggled with, uh, that have worked the faith problem and have, have apologetic books and podcasts. Somebody like Ravi Zacharias, he has a great apologetic podcast that you can subscribe to. I, I'm a big podcast fan. I've got tons of podcasts. Even there's another plug I'm going to put in for is uh, MikeChase.org is... is um, is one of the podcasts I listen to that are for the 12 step that have really helped me understand what it is to be in the 12 step and what, what my duty is as an addict and what my duty is as a sponsor. And I encourage you to seek that podcast out, but that's, that's just a tool. That's not your end goal. Your end goal is to get in with people that you can be open and honest with, mm -hmm. whether that's inside the church or outside the church and people struggling with faith. There are so many good books out there going, and dive into those books and, and help solidify your faith. And I believe that once you start totally letting the Spirit rule your life, you're, you're going to realize that 
God's been working all around you and you just didn't even know it. And you'll see some incredible things and it'll, it'll also boost your faith. So, yeah, you? no, that's mm-hmm. all very, very helpful. Well, thank you for letting me interview you so late, but it's almost 12 o'clock and we have church in the morning, so we have to go to bed. The 100 bucks was in the mail, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah you'll, you'll, get your, you'll get your commission, which is free. <laughs> you get as much as I make. Uh, well, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here. Um, and thank you uh, for listening, whoever is listening. I hope this was helpful to you, and I hope that God can use this to bless you. And we'll see you next week.